Sports Talk on 702 with Mutle Madolini. For the curious. Thank you so much for that. We will continue that conversation. Uh, we'll keep it going. And, um, yeah, let's see what will come out of this. I look forward to tomorrow's uh, uh, SAFA or rather PSL uh, press conference. It will be on uh, Supersport, I believe, at 1 o'clock for those who do have um, the facilities to watch it on the pay in, uh, channel or the pay network. Right, Faraz Patel on the line now. Faraz, welcome to the show. Of course, it's all things English Premier League. Good to have you back. Yeah, good evening, Bootley, and good evening to your listeners. It's always a pleasure being on. Uh, We're going to start with the fact that uh, Spurs just beat Arsenal uh, 2-1 in that match. And we know that none of these teams are really vying for anything other than North London bragging rights, which uh, uh, Jose Mourinho has. Uh, Unfortunately, wasn't able to listen to what Mourinho said after the match, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, (laughs) a lot of tapping himself on the back. Uh, Just talk us through that game and what it actually means for Spurs to come out on top against uh, the Gunners. Yeah, of course, you know, you spoke about it. The Both these teams, uh, they, well, one is within touching distance of a Europa League, which is Tottenham Hotspur. But of course, with Wolves and Sheffield United winning uh, their games, I, I don't think there's going to be a chance that Tottenham may just make any sort of European football. Uh, of course, the game started with an absolute peach over goal from Alexander Lacazette. My word. I tell you what, he's, he's a striker that for the last few games has started to come on and show us why he's a top striker, even though he has lacked some sort of consistency in the past. And then, of course, a few minutes later, Arsenal doing what Arsenal do, pass a comical error in defence, mm. uh, a miscommunication between Said Kolasinac and David Luiz, and, of course, uh, Hung Ming Song going ahead, snatching onto it and getting the goal. Then, of course, deep into the second half, Toby Alderweireld with the winner. So it was kind of one of those games that, you know, Arsenal was starting to build some sort of momentum, you know, victories against Wolves, you know, the NBA FA Cup semifinals uh, kind of consider themselves a little bit unlucky uh, to not beat Leicester City in the week. And then I come into this game thinking, surely Arsenal may just be able to get something, especially with Tottenham Hotspur losing so late against Sheffield United. But of, unfortunately, it wasn't the case. And mm. Tottenham Hotspur held it out. Uh, you could see it was two teams who are still lacking some sense of an identity now, Tottenham Hotspur without Dele Ali, you could see that he was really missed in the, Tottenham, in the Tottenham Hotspur midfield. And then, of course, Arsenal, you know, where are we going to be with Arsenal? You know, mm. what sort of consistency are we going to be getting with Arsenal? You know, what's the direction with regards to Arsenal? You saw three good games with them where you're thinking, OK, something's coming. And then, of course, they go ahead and get a defeat. And that error, of course, which led to the first Tottenham Hotspur goal, kind of shows you that Arsenal still have a very long way to go in terms of challenging for what the elite. I mean, you'd feel like, um, of course, uh, Mikel Arteta is well aware of the challenges that he has in the back, but surely, surely you, can't, you cannot be just playing the same back three and the same formation and expect different results every week or every game. Yeah, well, the problem is Bootlegs doesn't actually have anyone. He's going to be trusting the likes of Mustafi, Kolasinac and David Luiz because... Arsenal just don't have the money. I mean, Kieran Tierney is being used as a fullback. Uh, then, of course, when it comes to the midfield, you know, he, he, he's trusting Danny Ceballos, you know, over Mesut Ozil. Remember, Mesut Ozil is one of the highest earners. He's setting 150000 to 200000 pounds a week. So what do you do with someone like that? You know, if Mesut Ozil can sit out and run down his contract, then you will surely be wanting to do that. So, unfortunately, there isn't any other options for Arsenal right now. Even if there is loan deals... And even if they want to bring top quality players, they're going to have to take 
part of the loan deal. So it just feels as if, you know, where are Arsenal going to strengthen? And that's going to be the most difficult task. You feel it for Mika Arteta. I think he's coming to the club with the right intentions because of what he gave to the club in winning those FA Cups. But other than that, I just think that he's in a hiding to nothing because there is really no resources at Arsenal. And uh, institutionally, the club, you know, from a leadership perspective, with Stan Kroenke, just doesn't seem to care about the club. He sends his son, Josh Kroenke, to go ahead and make the decisions. And there is another person who knows absolutely nothing about football, and especially football from an Arsenal perspective. Yeah, when you can run the club like it's your father's club. Oh, wait, yes, it is. It is a club. So, right, uh, Arsenal, we know that um, they're having their own issues. Chelsea... <laughs> Chelsea, Chelsea. after the resumption, they come out, they play pretty decent football. They beat Villa, they beat uh, City, they beat Leicester, three on the bounce. And we kind of feel, hmm, Chelsea might be back. And then Mobile three, Mobile Network 3 decides to sponsor them. And all of a sudden, the three is on the wrong side of the scoreboard. Uh, well, except for that uh, Watford game. But Chelsea have been struggling and they are looking to cement a top four place. Uh, but at the moment, and with the way Manchester United are playing, do you think... That will be possible for them. Yeah, you know, you talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you talk about the shirt spawns, and then obviously the the number three becomes a magical one for them. Uh, you know, the thing about Chelsea is that you know Frank Lampard. You know, just like Mika Arteta, because he's a club legend, you'd feel he's coming in with the right intention. Now, at the start of the season, nobody really gave Frank Lampard, and that includes myself, any sort of chance that he would have been. Uh, in a potential title race. That's got eliminated because it was Liverpool and City. Mm. But you expect him to be in a top four race. And then all of a sudden, they get the results. They play well. Yes, they had a few losses here and there. Then they make two major signings in Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. And you're thinking, right, this should be enough to motivate Chelsea to go ahead and get that third spot. And the restart, of course, uh, just after the lockdown, you think, here we go. Something good is going to happen with Chelsea. They lose to West Ham and we think, well, it's just a once-off. But my word, they were horrible yesterday. Uh, Antonio Rudica and Christensen, what is going on in the defense? And, and it just felt as if there were errors after errors after errors, comedy errors that were right over there, no communication. The Chelsea midfield just didn't press. And you could see that Sheffield had more desire, had more fight about them. And this is a team, of course, who just come out of you know, the championship. And, and, and they were so close to getting at least into the Europa League position. And just yesterday showed that Sheffield are one of those teams that won again into the Europa League positions, and they absolutely played amazing. Frank Lampard had no answer to what Sheffield did, and you kind of felt as if after it was 2-0 in the first half, Chelsea had no answers mm. to what Sheffield had given to them. Absolutely. Let's uh, Before we wrap it up, let's quickly talk about the fact that uh, Timo Pukki became everyone's darling two years at Norwich City, and uh, he was kind of the striker that we loved to hate, if I can call it that way, uh, but also loved quite a bit. And then oh, uh, Norwich City became the first team to be relegated from the Premier League. Tough one for them. Tough one for Daniel Fark as well. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of unfortunate because, you know, you mentioned Timo Pukki when he started... You know, everything kind of went well, and you're thinking, okay, Norwich have a chance of staying up. They're not going not to get into the top 10, but here's a chance for them to, you know, at least stay up. And the beat matches the city in September, and you're thinking, okay, you know, here's a team, maybe there's a chance they're going to stay up. And unfortunately, it all unraveled for them. And this is, of course, down to, you know, just maybe a lack of management, uh, 
no investment coming from the owners, and the fact that maybe their squad just isn't good enough. Now, we talk of Timo Puki, we talk of Cantwell, who could be one of those players who could see the move, you know, to stay within the uh, top flight of English football. But other than that, Norwich were now heading to nothing. The moment the restart of the season began, you could see that this team just lacked fight, they lacked desire, mm. they didn't have any goals in with them. And unfortunately, this is the result of what had happened. Yeah, so unfortunate. Now we wait to see who will join them in the drop zone or actually in relegation. Uh, let's leave it there for us. Patala, thank you so much for your time tonight. No, it's an absolute pleasure anytime. Right, uh, that is the uh, football journalist, Faraz Patal.